Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 409 of Longbox Heroes. A day late, sadly, but we're never going to let you down. We're going to be here each and every week. Is this the only time that we've been late in this iteration of the show, Todd? I know we missed a week way back in the other days due to your uh, kerfuffle. kerfuffle. And then we had the one week off between the shows. Right. But I don't think we've ever missed since then that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, was wondering there? if there was another time that we were late. Wasn't there like an electrical there... storm or something that caused us not to be able to? Yes, I do believe that happened, but I don't remember if that was this one or the one before this one. I think it was this one. I remember doing some sort of goofy... Thor knocked out the, the tower. I forget. I remember having to download a completely different image and upload it to the site. So much work I have to do on the show. Yes, you are the workhorse of this show. Right. Joe and Todd here, by the way. You always have to say your names at the front of the show. Yeah. I'll be making sure to uh, mention the weather and the traffic <laughs> and sports every uh, quarter hour, you know, to keep you listening as you're tuning around your podcast dial. Your podcatcher of choice, which is a text document full of RSS feeds. I'll take your word for it, as I always say with these with these uh, podcast talks that we have. <laughs> right. The uh, getting ready to record, and I'm sure as if you listen to other people who podcast, uh, Skype has gone through some changes recently, mm-hmm. where they decided to move some stuff around just for fun. Just I think it was a test. Uh, there was no improvement or quality of life for me when it came to this change. I think it was just something to keep you on your toes. Right. And then the popular, I don't want to promote them, uh, but the popular podcatcher of choice for Apple products decided also to add like two or three new wrinkles into accessing podcasts. Oh boy. Through their thing. And again, it was just needlessly elaborate. I'm clicking on things. It's like downloading one of five new cover images. And I'm like, nope, nope, force close. Get out of this. Stop it. Stop it. I don't need any of this. This is why I don't use you, you piece of garbage. <laughs> wow. Tell us how you real, really feel, Joe. All podcatchers are terrible, and I know this is going to incite people. They're all terrible. The only one that works is a text document full of RSS feeds that when you kind of sort of know the day that they're coming out, you open them up in a browser, and then while you're doing something else, just constantly hit F5. That's the um, easiest way I know. The easiest way I know how to do it is not do any of that. See? And just avoid podcasts at all costs. You have Except it all figured one. out, Todd. I do. I have it all figured out. You and Clarissa. No, she explained it all. You figured it out. And I told her, and then she explained it to everybody. Ah, see, there you go. That was your connection. You know, mm-hmm. Melissa Joan Hart, big wrestling fan. Ugh. It's crazy that those young ladies from those shows, your Clarissas that explain it all, your, and boy, uh, this is going to show my age, Topanga from... Oh, from Boy Meets World. She is a huge wrestling fan. Well, she's kind of, she's not that tall. Like, ah, come on now. There's videos of her going to pro wrestling gorilla shows in California. Uh, Joe Montaniego. The guy who plays Fat Tony? No, the guy who plays, that's <laughs> Joe Montaigne. The guy who's going to play Deathstroke in the DC Cinematic Universe. Oh, okay. He was also in True Blood and he was also in Magic Mike. I, I didn't see either of those. Right. He's a big wrestling fan as well. And many mm. a times he would bring his wife, Sophia Vergara, to the wrestling events. And I she know who looked, that is. And she looked pleased as punch to be there, Todd. Mm-hmm. She, she, she looked as happy as you at a wrestling show. <laughs> oh, then she looked happy. All I'm going to say is I put all those names on a list right now. Oh, okay. Uh, 
Todd's enemies list. <laughs> it's just Nixon. <laughs> ah, now you see, you beat me to it, but it's a good joke either way. <laughs> so, hey, Todd, this is what happens when we record a day late. Let's get into po- let's get into comic book talk. <laughs> let's get into podcasts. Okay, let's talk comics. All right, what do we, we got, got a, in the news? We got a bunch of DC stuff going on. Uh, news about the upcoming Batman Day, which there's so many blank days where you get free comic books, you can't even call designate one as the fake one or one as the real one. Uh, <laughs> more information about Walmart and DC and their partnership, and uh, an update to the Death of Superman comic book. Spoilers. Right, Superman, he's okay. He's gonna be okay. <laughs> Stop, he's already dead. Uh, One of these days, I'm going to keep a running tally of how many Simpsons references we make uh, in the show. We are less than five minutes in, it's already two. Right. That I'm aware of. There might be other ones that I'm just not aware of because my mind is like mush. (laughs) Uh, Digital sales and freebies, what we read from this past week. Uh, saga number 54, the non-French version of Action Comics number 1001, <laughs> Venom number 4, we did read the French language version of that. What we're looking forward to this week, uh, Todd's Art Attack, of course, a doff of my derby from atop my, um, bike with the big wheel in the front, uh, for the Amazon click-through, uh, listener mail for the first time. Which is going to lead us right into uh, TV talk of Cloak and Dagger and what is to follow TV talk for the rest of the summer. Ah, doff your your John Cena cap as you do. It's across the room. I can't. Oh, okay. So. You can't see it from where you are? I I could, but I would have to turn and then my mouth's away from the microphone and we know what that does to the audio quality of things. I'm just saying you can't see John Cena's hat. Mm -hmm. It's a joke. It's a good joke. Nah, I had not... to explain it and nah. everything. But... There's a scarf <laughs> on top of it. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, boy. Is the new lady doctor wearing a scarf, Todd? No, but she has a shirt that has colored stripes going across the front that are in the like kind of the vein of the stripes on the scarf to give you that, hey, you know, it makes me think of the fourth doctor, so you're good. You know, the one from nine doctors ago, from 50 years ago, because all the other ones nobody cares about. Oh, oh wait, character. nobody cares about any of the doctors. I'm oh. sorry. How dare you be rude to Doctor Who? Mm-hmm. That's my job on, on wrestling. <laughs> if people still brought signs to wrestling events, and I went to those wrestling events, like we're going to SmackDown next time it comes to the uh, arena around here... Oh, wow, let's write that down, shall we? I'm bringing a sign that's going to have an arrow pointing down at me that says, Rude to Doctor Who. Oh, boy. (laughs) Dr. Rude. Oh, what if Ravishing Rick Rude was a Time Lord? I bet it would sound a little something like this. I'd rather the other Rude that comes out to the glorious. No, no, no. Oh, uh, Rick's kid, no. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. There's been way too much wrestling talk already. All right. Well, listen, if I had another outlet for it. <laughs> Maybe you could talk to somebody this weekend. There's a 50-50 shot. But anyway. I don't like those odds. <laughs> so, Batman Day is coming up. They instituted this about three years ago, where the second Saturday in September is Batman Day. I'm not sure if that's like the anniversary that Detective Comics came out, or why that arbitrary day was chosen. I don't know if that's Batman's birthday, or whatever it is. But uh, DC has decided that this thing that's supposed to get everyone into the store, that we shouldn't just give away the ultra-violent uh, recent, not saying that it's bad, but the ultra-violent, not family-friendly Batman White Knight as our freebie book, mm-hmm. that we should also give away uh, the Batman Little Gotham by Dustin Nguyen from a couple years ago. That's uh, halloween themed. You know, Halloween's close to September 15th, I guess. Yeah, it's close. And, and we're going to get the masks as well, you know, those paper masks. Right, which I think they had, these are just repurposed. Uh, they have what they laying around the warehouse, I think. <laughs> right, I was going to say, it doesn't look like there's any new designs on these ones. Mm-hmm. Heaven forbid Batman changes his cowl between now and September 15th. We're all going to look ridiculous wearing those paper masks over a quarter of our heads. What they should do is they should give out... The Batman shorts with the belt, 
because the shorts are coming back, but it is not getting the PR the way Superman's trunks got the PR. Mm-hmm. It is like slow. It is coming in under the radar. Batman's shorts are coming in low. What was that? I hope. Listen, I hope Todd's scriptwriter was paid well for that line. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> they are. Hey, okay. what do you want? I think they should mention it more. But what? Are, what are you gonna do? I think a lot of it is because Batman's co- costume is all blacks and grays, or sometimes just all grays, or sometimes all black. The trunks can easily get lost in the shuffle, where mm-hmm. Superman is red, pop, blue, pop, yellow, pop. And if there's some red missing, you're like, hey, where did that go? Right. But I'm a, I'm, I mean, I love the old, like, 70s, 80s, like, look of Batman with the gray outfit, with the blue oh. shorts, boots, and the belt with the cylinders on it. I am just a, I'm a, a, that's my favorite fat belt of all time. Ah, uh, you know what? Okay. I'll give you a, I'll give, I want a mix of cylinders and pouches. Who do you think this is? Rob Liefeld's belt? No, this, no that's I, just, just the all cylinders. pouches. Oh, just the cylinders. I love that look. And because it had pouches on the inside that people didn't know about. Hmm. I'm all for blue and gray Batman being the best Batman look. And the bat has to have a yellow symbol under it. Hmm. That's my that's my take on it. I'll say yes with a but. Uh there's if you could sell me on it. You could show me the look without the yellow oval underneath it and I'll have to see it in practice. I just can't knee jerk and say always has to have the yellow oval. I'm sure there's a design out there that I'm like, "Okay, it it works uh without it. I want it. It needs to be there, but you can convince me that your design doesn't need it." Right. Well, I I just mean with the the blue and the grays that I like, it has to have that yellow. I've seen other ones. There's like the the Bruce Tim one with the belt with the pouches that just has the gray. I'm like, okay, that's for that look. But overall, I'm just talking about the look of Batman for me. Has that it, it includes the yellow, you know what I mean, in, in that costume. Gotcha. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> I'm being harangued. I apologize. No, you don't. Um. No, I do. So, um, moving along, more DC stuff. Todd, I've yet to find the uh, books at Walmart, the DC books at Walmart. I have not been to Walmart since they had the book, so I don't know. Okay. So, apparently it is a success so far because Dan DiDio and Jim Lee have discussed with The Hollywood Reporter recently that they would like to add more books. Right. Um, more exclusive books, whether it be those hundred page giants, uh, or whatever it is. But the, uh, quote as it stands is Dan, and I'm not going to do the Dan impression. We've already goofed off enough this episode. Mm-hmm. Our hope is to build that out right now. It's four books. If we could expand up to eight, that's a big win for us. If we could secure ourselves, not in just those 3,000 stores, but a wider footprint within Walmart, that's an even bigger win. The goal is to build an alternative style of periodical, which acts as an entry point for new fans, with new material to excite existing fans as well. Yes. I don't see why this is a bad thing. I don't see why people get so upset about this. Yeah. I'm. I, you know what? I'm not. This isn't the hill I want to die on anymore, so I'm fine with it. Right, it was just that it came up in the news again, of course. Um, I say more books at more stores like this. Get them in Target. Get them in Walmart. Get them back in 7-Elevens and convenience stores or whatever it is. Just not on a spinner rack. Right. I hate spinner racks. Yes. I know you hate spinner racks um, because they damage the comics. They do, and I hate the way they squeak... When you, they're like just super annoying. Like our shop actually has a spinner rack, and when it spins, I'm like, oh, it's just, somebody put some oil on that thing so it could drip down under the books. Oh, but wouldn't the spinning mechanism be toward the bottom so it wouldn't anyway? Yeah, you don't know. It might it might follow the rails. You know, you don't know. Right, but again, I'm all for more comics getting into the hands of more people in any way that they can. Right. Uh, Me too. 
one more uh, DC thing to discuss is uh, DC just released digitally today the first of several park parts of, I guess, a re-adaptation of the 1992 uh, classic Death of Superman. Now, I know there's a new animated direct-to-DVD feature coming out of this. Right. So I guess that makes sense, but I don't understand why we're readapting the whole thing. I don't know. I just just because that that movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. But why not just I don't know redo the original one that's only twenty six years old. Different continuities. They want to do their own thing. It's beholden to the past where they're updated. Like remember when we did when we actually watched the? Uh, did you ever watch the? the uh, does the man? Does the world really need uh, the man of tomorrow? That famous Superman issue. Uh, yeah. Right. They did the updated, they did the updated version for the, for the movie and they changed a lot of stuff. So I'm wondering if that's what they want. They want to cross promote. So they're going to change, like, you know, I'm trying to think, uh, like maybe like Steel and Superboy won't be involved and stuff like that because it just gets too complicated because there's 93 different Superboys. I, I don't know. That's the only thing that I can think of is they just want to streamline it to what they, what they want and they're going to make a comic of that. Okay, so here's my issues with that. So first of all, and again, I haven't read this. I'll be completely honest with you. I'm just looking at the preview images and stuff that came out with this. So first of all, it's in the Superman suit from like two suits ago where he has the weird collar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has the red trunks. They probably add those in later. Okay. Now, from the cover of the first issue, it looks like the Justice League that Doomsday tears through is the current Justice League. Your Aquaman, your Wonder Woman, your Batman, your Flash, your Green Lantern, your Cyborg. What, no Bloodwind? Right. Well, again, what, no Booster and Beetle? What, no Fire and Ice? I think part of the gimmick is, um, was that he tears through the Justice League and it's not as big of a deal from the original... You know, maybe the threat's not taken as strongly as whatever. Mm -hmm. But then, like, reading the synopsises of this, uh, it's like, oh, Doomsday's Rampage. But now, before Superman deals with that, he has to deal with Lois Lane's father. And he has to deal with the Parasite. And then the next issue, he has to deal with Metallo. Now, here's another distraction. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, are we just trying to, like, do a best of Superman where we're cramming in as much of this stuff as possible? Why? This seems like a needless, and I don't want to say a, ca- a cash grabbing. It just seems like a needless thing to happen. You know what it is? The the phrase, the death of Superman, I'm not going to say it's up there with Crisis or Secret Wars or any of the others. It's just a phrase that they have that they want to capitalize on. Hmm. And to do that, they have to pad it because otherwise, you know, it's just Superman or Doomsday ripping through Justice League and then killing Bat or Superman. And then I don't know how much they're going to like do the aftermath of it or whatever. It's just something that I think is iconic in people's minds, even outside of comics because of when it happened. You know, it was on the news. It was a slow news day. It was one of the first big things. I think it's in the in the public consciousness. And DC's like, let's just... I mean, I think it's a poor job of doing it because of the way they're doing it, like digital. And, you know, they, they have the movie. It's separate. I don't know. It just seems like not a good, a well-thought-out plan right? is, and, is and what I'm saying. It, so I don't know. It seems like it's a waste of the talents involved. Like, these mm-hmm. people could have been working on something completely different. Right. Instead of this retread of the death of Superman. Like, no mm-hmm. one, like, I get what you're saying is that Joe Schmo off the street because the, the direct DVD thing is out. But, again, it's not like this is going to take the place of the original story. No, I know. But, like I said, they have to update it for different things because, nah. yeah, I'm, I, in their mind, not for me, Joe. I'm just saying, like, well, let's have them fight Guy Gardner with Sinestro's ring. It's that, like, if they could go back and, and make Doomsday fight 
the seven before like well with superman beforehand then the the schleppy you know justice league international written by dan jurgens even though it was really good it's just that's a that's just like like a weakness in the armor of that story like of how big it would have been like fighting six you know gods before they got beat up and then they get to superman i don't know if you know like, and i think i, that's I get the what way you're saying I, I do get what you're saying it's just this seems like iconic enough of a story that it shouldn't have to be, but they are, and I get why they're doing it. I just don't like it. See, my thing is I care neither way because I ain't reading it, so it doesn't affect me. Right. You know how I know about it? You put it in the notes. Well, there you go. So, uh, moving along to conventions this weekend. There's a couple conventions, Todd. Uh, one is taking place in... It's the Muskoka Comic-Con, mm-hmm. taking place in beautiful Bracebridge, Ontario. That's in Canada. <laughs> uh, some of the big-name guests that are going to be there are Chris Claremont, uh, Leonard Kirk, who does uh, who's done Black Panther art here and there. Also, professional wrestler Bushwhacker Luke is going to be there. That's only half of them. Right. I don't think uh, Butch takes many bookings. Actually, my friend uh, and professional re- fellow professional wrestler, Dr. Daniel C. Rockingham, actually wrestled Bushwhacker Luke recently. Oh, okay. And things didn't go quite as the good doctor had planned. The doctor? No, not that kind of doctor. I don't think he even knows what that sort of thing is, and that's why I like Dan. <laughs> I do steal his script pad and get pills for myself. Doot, doot, doot. Let me put Dan on my enemies list. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, also this weekend is the Plattsburgh Comic Con- Convention in Plattsburgh, New Jersey. And I only bring this one up, Todd. Uh, mm-hmm. One, because their um, website is great. <laughs> is it a Facebook page? Mm, it really tries to push it to the Facebook page, but I'm fighting it. <laughs> Um, you know, you got a variety of local comic book artists, cosplayers, and people like that, but the two big guests of honor, Todd, mm-hmm. are Brian O'Halloran. Who's that? That's Dante from Clerks. I know him. And Scott Schiaffo. Who's that? He's the Chulies gum guy from Clerks. Okay, good for him getting some bucks. Right, but if you remember, there was a period of time about two years ago where these two and maybe like one other person from the Clerks original movie were going around, and this is when you and I had the idea, and this is Bears repeating, where that we would both be the Navy SEALs guy. (laughs) Where we would do a similar scheme of like, oh, it's random guy was one line in this cult movie, who knows what he looks like 24 years later. And then you mix in a little Gallagher, Gallagher 2 action on there. We both set up shop at different competing conventions. We're both separately but individually and together the Navy SEALs guy. And then we have a bunch of VHS copies of Navy SEALs that we sign to you at a tremendous markup. That's right. Like, like it's not as bad as signing, you know, cut up two by fours, but it's it's up there. (laughs) Listen. Hacksaw brought those 2x4s to the ring. He can't be lugging dozens and dozens of actual 2x4s to each and every appearance that he goes to. So you just get a part of the magic of Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, a part of that magic is all I need. But the best part about Plattsburgh is I wonder if it's held in the Diamond Distributor Warehouse. Because that's where all our books come from. Did you know that? No, I thought we were in Maryland or something. Nope, Plattsburgh is is our outlet for the comics that come to the shop. Yes. The it does not appear so. Okay. I not, doubt that it's actually in the mm-hmm. in the diamond warehouse. I was double checking, you never know. Stranger things have happened in warehouses, Todd. That I have heard that. Right, so two of the other conventions happening this weekend uh, is the Tampa Bay Comic Con. It's summertime, go to the beach, go to mm-hmm. a convention, and uh, see comic professionals Neil Adams and Kyle Hotz. Underrated Kyle Hotz, by the way. Kyle Hotz? You would know his... 
um, stuff if you saw it. I think most notably, do you remember, do you remember Marvel Max? Yes, I do. Do you remember the Hood miniseries by Brian K. Vaughn? Vaguely, yes. Okay, he's the artist from that. Oh, okay. Um, he did some of the more recent Heroes for Hire stuff. Um, his, his heyday was like the, uh, 90s and stuff. What, mm-hmm. he did some stuff in Annihilation as well. Annihilation Conquest. Conquest. You would know, uh, his stuff if you saw it. Okay. He's got a very distinct and unique style. Uh, I'm a big fan. But the media guests that are going to be there, Todd, Val Kilmer. <gasps> One of the Batmans. Mm-hmm. Aforementioned Batman, yes. No uh, no vials on his uh, belt. No <laughs> blue and <laughs> No gray. vials? Yeah. Do you mean uh, cylinders? Cylinders. Same difference. Same difference. Right. Uh, just, yeah, well, anyway. Brett Spiner, star of the Independence Day uh, franchise and a couple episodes of Night Court. And I think he was in season one of Outcast. Oh, that's if... right. I heard Outcast it... uh, is getting a season two here eventually. They did? I wonder if Brent Spiner's in it. And also, he's Doug Wheeler from Night Court. There you go. And nothing else I could think of. Nothing of that's note, right. at least. But he is going to be the vice president on Supergirl this season. Oh, he is. Yeah, I saw that in the news the other day. <laughs> ah, we don't really dip into the TV stuff unless it's something like really outrageous. Hey, you know, you brought up Doug Wheeler. Right. I'm just telling you what he's doing lately. He went from you know running the snack uh, booth at the courthouse to being vice president. That's quite a jump. One seat, one step away from presidency. Oh, one heartbeat away. If Linda Carter goes down, he's the president. Is Linda Carter the president on Supergirl? Yes, they thought there was going to be a female president when they cast her. I wonder what John Glover would have been doing. Oh, boy. At the time. Is that too deep of a reference? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, Carrie Elwes is going to be at Tampa Bay Comic Con as well. The guy from Saw? Yes, and nothing else as far as I know. Right. Uh, but the biggie, I would say, Todd, this is, this is that plum gig. When you get to be a comic book professional, artist, writer, inker, editor, what have you, or maybe you're a media celebrity, you want to get booked for Comic-Con Honolulu. Oh, <laughs> we, we should do that. Longbox Heroes in Honolulu. Honolongbox. That's what we See, Todd, do. if we go, you're going to run afoul of some sort of tiki, and then you're going to get in a surf oh. competition where you wear well, Bermuda shorts over your Batman outfit. It's a whole Mishigacha trope could, from TV from the 60s and 70s. <laughs> could be worse. We could go to the Grand Canyon con. We could get captured by Vincent Price. Oh, now that I would be okay with. It would take a lot of wrangling for Vincent Price to get me to go along with him. (laughs) Yes, that is true. But some of the people that are going to be there, Todd, Terry Moore, Strangers in Paradise fame, amongst many other things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Roy Thomas is going to be there. Legendary writer. Right. The great Michael Bean is going to be there. Uh, Kyle Reese from The Terminator, amongst many other James Cameron films. Mm -hmm. And I know favorite of many people that you and I know, Felicia Day is going to be there as well. Oh, if you can get a marked photo of Felicia Day, hmm. send it to Longbox Heroes. Right, we gotta. We we know a person who's a fan of both marked photos and Felicia Day. We super fan, I would say. Right. So all the links to these conventions will be in the show notes uh, of this episode, which you could find over at soon to be named network dot com or soon to be named network dot dot com or anytime. Any of the shows in our little uh, conglomeration of friends and like-minded individuals puts out a show or appears in another show when they remind me, and I'm not on vacation, trying to f- maneuver both Twitter and Tumblr and a browser from my phone is not an, uh, a, a thing I like to do, let's just say. But whether it be episodes of Podvocacy or Everlasting Minute, Profane Argument, Puzzle Warriors 3... Or even the bi-weekly return of the great uh, Prodigal Sons podcast. I hear their editor is working overtime, uh, not only putting <laughs> the show together, but also getting all parties to send me the parts of the show so I could actually put out the show. That was a lot of cross-promotion, uh-huh. and, 
watch it, you'll get yelled at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's all within the same little network, you know? Oh, not, that's, that's okay. Yeah, that's you know, I'm not tweeting unrelated people about nonsense that has nothing to do with me <laughs> or them or my my hair or anything. <laughs> it's getting a little too inside. Let's move on. Digital sales yep. and freebies, Todd. Yep. Uh, we got some holdovers from the last couple weeks. Uh, we've got Valiant sale is still on. The IDW Transformer sale is finally over. The Great National Nightmare has ended. <laughs> Uh, Boom has collections on sale. Uh, DC has a Death of Superman sale going on in conjunction with all this Superman shenanigans going on. Uh, Dark Horse is trying to squeeze their last few nickels and pennies out of the Conan franchise (laughs) before Marvel whisks it away from them. Um, But I do want to mention, we kind of poo-pooed everything with the uh, redo of Death of Superman. Um, get that first Death of Superman, uh, Return of Superman, you know, that's not too, too bad, but I think, uh, this is interesting to me, Todd. Included in this sale, if you remember, is the News Time Life and Death of the Man of Steel magazine. I have that. I have that as well. And I think this might be the first time that this has ever been collected digitally. So if you want to see a piece of DC history, get this. If anything, it's 99 cents. It's a fascinating read. Mm-hmm. With the Do ads and that was treated like a new, like an actual like magazine. It's really good. Do they have the Superman Day of Doom miniseries? Day of that? Doom. That came out, I want to say, like, a couple years afterwards, and it was, like, on the anniversary, and then it was, like, the people, it was, like, the, uh, people remembering what had happened, and, like, they were talking about, like, Doomsday's, like, first 30 seconds in Metropolis, and so it was just, like, a fireman, he was, like, Doomsday was on the ground 30 seconds, and 40 people were dead. It's like he hadn't even gotten warmed up yet. And it was Dan Jurgens, written by Dan Jurgens. I want to say Bill Sienkiewicz was involved. It was really good. It does not appear to be in this collection. Oh, that sucks. No. Poor part. But check out that one. Jeff Lemire stuff from Marvel uh, is on sale. Uh, his run on Moon Knight was really good. Uh, his run on Old Man Logan was really good. He was the one who kind of started the Thanos miniseries that led into the Donny Cates stuff. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of good stuff in that sale. And then also, for some reason, Marvel is having a sale on a bunch of Fantastic Four stuff. Fantastic Four. Fantas- was that the title with the four people that were fantastic? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know that Norm MacDonald bit, correct? Uh, probably, but off the top of my head, I'm okay. whiffing. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, look up, I think if you just, uh, search on the YouTubes, Norm MacDonald, Fantastic Four, you'll find it. Okay, I will look that up. Um, it's about as easy as a joke as it possibly could be. <laughs> oh, it's about where Mr. Fantastic gets his name? Right. Okay, and also, in case you're wondering, I don't know if you can hear it, we're getting torrential downpours by my house hitting the window, so if you hear anything, that's what it is. No. Uh, okay. the, the, hey, we almost made it through an entire show without talking about the weather. The ra- yep. the weather has been crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a ton of Fantastic Four stuff from every possible era, every possible writer, every possible creative team that you could think of. Um, you know, you can get like the Jonathan Hickman stuff for like $3 a trade. Ooh, uh, you can get the Mark Wade stuff, like the entire run of the Mark Wade, uh, Fantastic Four for like, 20 bucks, and that's really good. You can get the original run. You can get the entire John Byrne run for... And again, let me do my gazintas here. <laughs> 42. For like 50 bucks. Which is a lot of comics. Yes, it is. He did almost 100 issues, I think. Yeah. Way, way more than that. So, uh, a lot of good stuff there, of course. And all the links to these will be in the show notes. The new digital freebies are up. Uh, the first issue of Spider-Girl, the Tom DeFalco, Ryan Otliff book, 
uh, that was the only hit of the M2 universe that is still long-lasting to this day. Mm-hmm. Remnants of that are still existing here uh, in the current Marvel Universe. The Last Defenders, first issue of that miniseries where they tried to re-bring back the Defenders about ten years ago or so, uh, written and drawn by Keith. Keith, huh? Mm -hmm. The Keith. That wasn't the the J.M. McGuire one, was it? No, you're thinking of just Defenders. Okay. This is called The Last Defenders. Mm. Uh, also on sale is Uncanny X-Men number one and Uncanny, or for free, Uncanny X-Men number one and Uncanny X-Men number one. Two of them? Well, the very first issue from 1960, blah, 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 blah. And the but most, it was, what? But it wasn't called Uncanny X-Men back then. They've redone it to be called Uncanny X-Men number one. They've repurposed oh. it. And then whatever the most recent one from, like, two years ago that may have been folded into whatever's going on in the X-Universe right now, I just know they're not uh, Inhumans. They are not Inhumans. Right. And you are correct. The one from 1963 does say the X-Men on the cover, but for all intents and purposes, they're calling it Uncanny X-Men number one. Right. I forget where it became Uncanny X-Men, but it was years later. Mm Mm-hmm. And hey, while you're over at uh, Comixology, friend of the show, longtime listener of the show, Jason Sandberg actually has a book that he is self-publishing through Comixology. It's a book called Jupiter. Uh, the Zero issue is out. Uh, it's kind of like an anthology book. He just sent it to us over the weekend at we- with me being on vacation. I didn't get a chance to read it. But anytime one of our listeners, friends of the show, does something in the comic book world, we're more than happy to promote it and let you, the listeners of our show, know what other listeners of the show are doing in the world of comic books. Yay! So, that's all the digital stuff that's going on, Todd. Let's get in to what we read from this past week. I think I'll start. All right, you do that. Yeah, you Um, do that. Yeah, I'm going to start with the issue I was looking forward to most, which was Action Comics 1001, um, written by Brian Michael Bendis and drawn by Patrick Gleason. Um, this is, you know, Superman investigating the arsons that are going on in Metropolis. And along the way, we find out uh, in the Superman issue, I believe, that there's a little boy who said that Superman was causing the fire. So Superman is looking into it, finds a little boy. We find out that the little boy has maybe lying and it's, you know, a he said he got bribed by a bald man. So Superman goes to look through files of, <laughs> of bald men. Um, and Dan Didio is one of the culprits. That's all I'm going to say. Bendis is one of them as well. Right. Um, so I find that amusing. But he goes on uh, to, to search and realizes that he's been taken out of the equation because he can't investigate the fires now because his name has been brought up and it looks like he's, in, you know, interfering. So he's like, that was a good plan by whoever it is. And then we find out the group that is involved. There's a group um, we get to, to meet some of them. Um, and find out what they're they're up to and that who the ringleader is and everything. Um, I really enjoyed this issue. There's a, especially a moment where the the new character who's uh, working for the fire department. She's like, I can't really trust you because they mentioned it was you. And he's like, like he's like you you have to. And there's a great shot. I have to give Patrick Gleason credit for this, where she's looking at him and then there's just a close up of the S on his chest and to me that gave me goosebumps because i was kind of like like that that all that whole joke that people do sometimes or like that the s stands for hope she looks at it and she's like i have to trust superman and she just like lays it on the line everything that's going on and they were saying that this might be the more human element of the books you know like down the street level and i and i kind of feel that with this that it's like him doing you know the grunt work to not fighting giant uh, robot robots with toy man inside this is him you know at, at one point he fights a couple of thugs who are robbing something and trying to get away in a helicopter and there's some really like cliche good gags in there about all the things you've seen people try to do to superman and i don't know i'm just I'm having fun with Superman again. 
And I actually think I like action a little bit more than I am the Superman, the Superman book with just one issue under each belt because it's the, the, the street level stuff and it's just more human with Superman. Right. So with the five issue miniseries of Man mm-hmm. of Steel, the story that he wrote in the DC Nation Zero thing, um, and then, as you mentioned, the two issues here, Superman number one, Action Comics number one, zero, zero, one. I would say that this has been my favorite Bendis Superman thing to date. The other ones had great moments in them, but not strong overall. I thought this one had a few weak moments. I maybe thought some of the dialogue went on a little bit too much with the two criminals uh, on the rooftop with the helicopter person. They did play it out just a little bit too much, but I enjoyed it early on. Right. But, that being said, top to bottom, this has been the best Bendis-penned Superman thing to date. Right, and then we close with the cliffhanger of what maybe Lois might be up to. Mm-hmm. Because last we saw her, she was in space, but now it looks like she's on Earth. Interesting stuff. Right, so there's a lot more questions being raised here, and a lot more things to attempt to figure out, and that makes me happy. I want Superman to be good. I like reading Bendis's books when he's firing on all cylinders, and I feel as though this iteration of this angle to take on Clark and Superman is gonna where is gonna be where he shines through the most. Right. So the other book uh, that we read from this past week, the book I think I was most looking forward to coming out this week was Saga number fifty four, and. There's not much I could say about this book, which is always these problems with Saga, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a major death. I'll say that. Right. Or at least, we're me- well, there's two major deaths, because there was the death at the end of issue 53, and then there's the death at the end of this issue. Mm-hmm. One, they both very well can be permanent. Right. I feel the one in this one may not be permanent. I'm getting to the point where I uh, where I'm not sure anymore because we've had a couple of people get whacked in this, but there's just with magic and science, and I'm wondering if people can come back, but in different way. Like just when it's so fantastic, my brain is there's a possibility of the return. Like if this was like street level qu- crime noir, mm-hmm. then I'd be like, nope, dead forever. But it, like I'm with you. I'm like, eh, is there an out here somewhere? However, and that's all I could. Right. Yeah. However, that still doesn't mean it did not have an emotional punch when it happened. I agree. Because the fight between two characters, there's back and forths, there's revelations about how powers work that we may or may not have been told before in the past, and it looks as though one character is going to die, and then another character looks like they're going to die, and then this character dies. Saga's great. 54 mm-hmm. issues... Saga's great. I'm sad that it's taking a year plus off. I'm going to miss it. And this is how you make people remember your book that's taking a year plus hiatus. You do a big gut punch at the end and say, we'll see you next year. And I was talking with somebody. I have a feeling uh, Brian K. Uh, Vaughn is up to something in that year. Like, I'm not saying, like, Saga is going to become a movie or a TV show or anything. But I feel like maybe now that I think about it more, like, he's writing for Hollywood and that's like where big big money is. And right. he's like, oh, I got to put this on the side. I'm wondering if we're going to see like him like a famous TV show coming up, where he penned like four episodes. You know what I mean? And that's what he's doing. But I agree with you. If you're going to send your book off, send it off this way for a memory. It 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 lasts in trades. I don't think it's going to hurt too much because it's it's Brian K. Vaughn. You know what I mean? He's one of the top like five writers in the industry right now. He'll be okay. Right, so the last book uh, we're going to discuss is Venom Number 4, written by Donny Cates, with art by Ryan Stegman. You've read this, correct? Yes, I do read Ven- Venom. Okay. So, the best thing I could say about... So, this might have been my favorite book that I read this past week. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm aware of Venom just because he's a Spider-Man villain, and for a good period of time... You know, the place to get Venom information was through Spider-Man. And then, of course, in the 90s, Venom became a phenomenon, an Mm anti-hero. A guy who stopped eating brains and ate chocolate. (laughs) 
Sign of the Boss, one of the greatest minis ever with Venom in it. I heard they made some of the art in that into a shirt. Ah, they did, I think. Right. So, since then, there's been a lot of things added to the mythology of Venom. A lot of things uh, switched and changed. and Venom even became a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And the Guardians of the Galaxy went and fought an entire planet of Venoms. The, plan- the planet of the symbiotes. And all that sort of stuff. This issue right here, Venom number four, addresses everything that Venom has done in his entire publishing history, except the part about the chocolate, (laughs) and tells you why it was all wrong. This is now the correct new origin of Venom. Now, a lot of times this happens where a bold new direction for a character... Remember... Marvel's Tsunami line, mm-hmm. where you had your Mystique book, you had Runaways, you had Sentinel, and then you had Venom, where it was essentially like, hey, what if we took John Carpenter's The Thing and had Venom be in it? Right. So this, I feel as though the way it's being pushed very well could be, until another story comes along, become the new definitive origin of Venom, and I love the way that the story was told. Okay. And, like, bringing up every question that any Venom fan could possibly have. Ah, but what about when this one thing happened? Well, uh, you know, the Clintar, whatever his name is, the the guy who is the host, the creator of Venom, He's like, well, no, this is why it's wrong. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what about that time in Jason Aaron's God of Thunder from just a couple years ago where it was the whole thing where Beowulf and all... And, well, no, here's how that kind of figures into here and how he created the Venom symbiote and why it had the weaknesses against fire and sound and all that sort of stuff. I, I love this issue. I thought it was fantastic. I highly recommend this Venom book to everybody. Uh, okay, I agree... But it's be, because it's done so well. I really like it. Mm-hmm. But there's certain things I, I let it all slide because it's done so well. But there's certain things that I like, even though I'm not a big Venom fan. So um, just the simplicity of Venom is he's a symbiote, gets glued on somebody. That you know what I mean. That's and this has put layer upon layer of some of a character that I that I thought was perfect as is if you know what i mean like there's certain characters we discuss that it's like i'm gonna you know i'm gonna say it again for the billionth time dr doom like when they did ultimate fantastic four they try to make dr doom better and i'm like slow down like what are you doing so like you know and somebody a creator now is like you know what i'm gonna make wolverine better i'm gonna make his claws heat up and i'm like slow down um with venom I, I want to go slow down, but I don't because it. Donny Cates is really, really good, and it makes me interested in all this. But as a Venom fan, like not a Venom fan, I'm overwhelmed with all the of all the information where he's going. You remember this? I'm like, no, no, I don't. So Aww. it's it's weird. Do you know what I mean? Because I didn't read Venom, so I, I don't know how to explain it. It's both good and bad. Do, mm-hmm. do, do you get what I'm trying to say? Because it's it seems like he's trying to rewrite a lot of history. I didn't know. If that makes any sense. It does. Where I'm like, oh, okay, so this is... And it makes it confusing to me to keep up because I have no knowledge of this. It's a lo- It's an info dump for me, not a Venom fan. And But like I said, it's done really well. The way, My favorite thing is I'm tying into the God uh, Killer. Was I was like, oh my God, I read that story. I really like it. So now where we are is something I understand and it made the story better. So I could see how if somebody's ingrained in Venom mythology, all that would be great. But for me, I feel a lot of it was lost, even though I really enjoyed the book. That's the best way I can put it. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it, but obviously from a different, uh, Vantage point than me, knowing a little bit more of Venom's uh, lineage, if you will. Right. Yeah. But I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, I am enjoying it. I don't want that to come off that I dislike the book, did it? Right. Or, 
No. Okay. Good. So that's going to cover uh, what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to this week. And by this week, the book. This week, I mean the books that we've already picked up uh, at the store because of the recording schedule of this. Uh, every week, uh, around every Tuesday, around 5:30 Eastern time or so, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned and be forearmed. Be ready with the proper amount of bags and backs or fancy comic printed short boxes or whatever it is that your store has or however it is that you bring your books home from the store. Be forewarned and be forearmed. Now, the two things that Todd and I are doing here in the calendar year 2018 is one that we always do, which is attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. And two, the running dollar amount of how much we've spent on comic books so far. Now, I started the show... So let me look at Todd's list. Oh, I'm currently in the lead with four correct guesses. But that doesn't mean I'm going to play fast and loose. Even though Todd claims he's uh, given up, I refuse to believe that until I win. That is true. That's a good way to look at it. Right. I think the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Adventures of the the Super Sons, number one. It is the book I'm looking forward to. Hey, now, look at that. Uh, the the Super Sons book was a book that I did not talk about enough on this show, but I loved it so much. And as it went on, I loved it even more. Um, the Super Pets Annual was one of the greatest things I've ever read. Um, had a lot of fun with it. So doing that, I'm looking over your list, which I've had a lot of time to peruse. Um, is the book <laughs> you're looking forward to most, Mr. Miracle number 10, coming back? No. It is not. No. Immortal Hulk number four. Okay. I have been loving this this Hulk book. It was it was a close one between that and Cosmic Ghost Rider number two. Now I give up. But go ahead. Uh, you know we've discussed, of course, um, <laughs> our qualms maybe with the art in Cosmic Ghost Rider number two, and that might have been what gave Immortal Hulk number four the slight edge. I've really been enjoying everything that Donny Cates has been doing at Marvel. Cosmic Ghost Rider is just an extension of what he's been doing, of course. But man, I tell you that Immortal Hulk book is is such a good book. If you ain't reading it, you're doing yourself a disservice. You really are. I was shocked that you didn't throw a Hey Howdy in there. Hey Howdy, that's a good book. <laughs> oh, okay, no. I would have said Hey Now. I'm more Hey Now guy. Oh, you do a Hey Howdy every day. I now. say Hey, just don't... and I say Now. I'm just putting them together and saying Hey Now. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that we have available over there, uh, whether it be past editions of this show, past editions of Longbox Heroes After Dark, past pull posts, the 2017 smash sensation of Todd and Joe Have Issues, and of course there's also our store there, uh, which is where you can purchase a sticker or a shirt or a pin with our fancy logo on them. Now I also want to give a shout out uh, to the folks, Pollyanna DIY, who helped us make our pins. They actually sent me, knowing what a big, knowing that I may not be the biggest pin fan, but knowing that I am a big Terry Funk fan, they sent me uh, their the first in their new line of Terry Funk pins. Oh boy! Yes, I I guess I might not be a fan of pins anymore. But well, anyway, I heard something that almost made me not be a fan of stickers today. I'm glad <laughs> I was able to pass that along to you to make you not be a fan of of pins. Yes, uh, but the folks over at Pollyanna DIY do a lot of great work. Uh, not only for wrestlers, old and new, not only for comic book folks like Todd and myself, but uh, a lot of people they're helping out with custom pins, and they have an entire line of stuff that they've done of everything from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia-related stuff to wrestling stuff to music stuff. They do a lot of good work over there, so check them out as well. Good. Uh, but one other thing that you could check out, of course, is our Amazon link across the top of the page. Where you can't buy pins, you can't buy our shirts, you can't buy our stickers, but you could buy pretty much anything else uh, through that link across the top of our page, and we get a little bit of a kickback. Uh, speaking of which, yours is coming, Todd. Relax. Cha 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 ching. You'll have to wait a little bit. Um, so, 
some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click through this past week. Of course, uh, someone purchased comic books, uh, the aforementioned Venom number four and Transformers Unicron number two. Uh, someone also purchased a, uh, hundred piece metal split key ring set. I guess they're making their own keychains. I guess. Uh, someone also purchased the Shapen 20,000 one galley poly lawn garden multi-purpose sprayer. Along with the FMC Tallstar P professional pesticide. So it looks like they may have a bug infestation that we're going to help them with. Mm. And, uh, someone also purchased the old boy tech two pack of auxiliary cables. Now, I want to make a point of this, okay? Very rarely do we discuss the price of items that were purchased through our Amazon click-through. Mm-hmm. If you have an auxiliary port in your car, and you listen to any sort of device other than the radio, which you should be doing, you should have a good auxiliary cable. Most people buy garbage auxiliary cables from their local convenient marts (laughs) or whatever it is, right? This gentleman or gentlewoman purchased a two-pack of super fancy, gold-tipped, metal-braided, so they don't twist, they don't tear, they don't break, they don't bend, auxiliary cables for $8, I have seen those auxiliary cables in convenient marts for one of those pieces of garbage for upwards of $10 each. Whether you buy it through our link or not, it does not hurt to have an extra auxiliary cable on your person, and you can get two really good ones for 8 bucks on Amazon. Not a bad deal. I highly recommend doing that if you are someone who is in your car a lot. Someone who listens to podcasts. Someone who listens to music through the auxiliary port in your car. Do it now. Pause the show. (laughs) Go do it now. Restart the show. And then listen to us again, especially this part, when they come in the mail. Especially if you have Amazon Prime. And uh, they shipped it to you in like two days. Did you know Amazon Prime ships on Sundays now? I did not know that. I get delivery notices from Amazon Prime on Sundays, and it still creeps me out. Oh, boy. Does it actually come, though? Yes. Oh, you have Amazon Prime? I've been an, I have been an Amazon Prime member for nigh on of 10 years, Todd. Oh, boy. I have seen that price have... creep up from back when it was $40. I've seen it creep up from when you could fudge it with an EDU email address and get it for free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll have to have I'll have to use you to buy me things, but I'll pay you. Hmm. Um, I know you've never done that before, but uh, if you could do that, because I I I will not buy Prime because I buy something from Amazon like once every eight months. You know what I mean? Maybe around Christmas, I'll I'll use a lot of Amazon, but to me, it's not worth paying that. Was it ninety bucks now? Uh, I don't know what it is now. It's it's getting to be pretty expensive, but like with the streaming and everything else that they have there and you know what you save on shipping and the fact that they'll ship stuff on Sundays and all that sort of jazz. But uh I I can off air Todd we could talk about the uh Kroger meat scam of Amazon Prime if you'd like. <laughs> okay. Uh but thanks to everyone who purchased things through our uh, click through of course. Todd, did we have anything uh, on the art attack this week? Yes, we did. From Mega Contributor Euronymous, he sent me a David Lapham Daredevil ish, a page from issue one, page five. Um, very nice. I didn't know David Lapham did uh, Daredevil. I like I said, I only really know one run from the creator of Daredevil, Mark Wade. But uh, you know, uh, that's pretty cool. Like I said, pages are sweet. I may have some stuff coming in the near future in for Art Attack, but this is really nice too. Hmm. But that was all I really had. Yeah, I'm trying to see where that's from. Yeah, I don't know, like I said, because out of the two of us, I do know I'm the bigger Daredevil fan because I've seen all the Netflix episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like I said, I don't recognize. I just know it was from, 
I think like 2013, maybe I was looking it up. Gotcha. But so. And hey, I would be remiss to mention, of course, uh, another longtime listener of the show, D- Jesse DeJong, also tweeted as at us some art that he had gotten from Jesse Munoz uh, for the totally unstuck adventures of Anna Kronos, where it looks like it was a print announcing the comic, and then a little bit of the lead character doing some Spider-Gwen, now known as Ghost Spider or Spider-Ghost or whatever it is. But that is uh, some cool art that uh, you got there, Jesse. Nope, yep, I missed that. I apologize. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed when Joe goes on vacation. (laughs) I'm I'm here to pick oh. up the pieces. That's not how that song goes, but in my head it does. Okay. That's it. Uh, so before we get into TV talk, Todd, don't we have uh, something from the mailbag as well? Yes, we do. We have uh, from on Twitter, Stiff Peg Pete, who's, you know, contributes on Twitter. And I believe on the uh, website he does his. Is he the one who does the pull list? He'll comment on the pull list as well. Yes. Yep. Um, He wrote in, I'm running out of room on my walls for sketches and have been considering the sketchbook scheme Todd uses for convention sketches. Any advice on what type to get or tips for correct protocol for bringing an artist your sketchbook rather than having them use the paper at their table? Are they usually cool with it? Um, Well, first of all, what sketchbook to use? I literally walked into, I believe it was maybe Barnes and Nobles years ago. I don't remember what the bookstore was called back then. And just picked out a sketchbook that seemed to have nice, decent paper inside of it for like 15 bucks. Uh, you know, bigger sizes, uh, smaller sizes they have. The, if you go real big with a sketchbook, artists aren't really big on how, like, because they seem like you're trying to get more for us, you know what I mean, out of them by having a big sketchbook. But uh, the, there are pros and cons to having a sketchbook. Um, the pro, the pros are, you have everything in one place to display. As you say, you're you're running out of rule, uh, room on your walls, um, and they also know that you're probably not flipping art if you're getting it in a sketchbook because it's really hard to you notice if somebody rips a page out of a sketchbook. Um, it's probably for yourself. The con of it is you only have one. So if you go to a con for a weekend and you're like, I want to get sketches. You can only go to, you can get one person in the morning and go, all right, I, this, would you do work in my sketchbook? Now, if you want something else in your sketchbook, you got to wait till you get it back. And that kind of sucks. So, um, you know, it, that, that's, that's up to you. Uh, the protocol for bringing the sketchbook, you just ask them. Most people are cool with it. Some people aren't. Um, I'd also say write your name in the front of the sketchbook because I've done that. I had an artist demand that I do that. So they don't get mixed up and people aren't arguing over whose sketchbook is whatever. I, if you get a sketchbook, identify it. If you even want to put your name, like uh, a cell number or an address in case it gets lost or an artist, you know, does, gets it and goes home. Like all of a sudden I have your sketchbook. My wife's sick. I got to leave. They have a way to contact you. Um, that's, that's very important. I've heard people like, l- like lose their sketchbooks and have to get in contact with the artist later. Like, and then they got to figure out it's a whole ring. Um, but there's another aspect to do it. If you still want to get the paper, um, like the, 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 the Bristol board that a lot of them do on their own, they bring it whatever different sizes, is I use, when I get that stuff or original paper, it's called Itoya Art Portfolios. So they have sleeves in it. They could just like top loaders in these like big plastic portfolios. And it's like a sketchbook once you slide them all in. So I say you figure out what you want to do. You can look those up real easy. They're on Amazon. Uh, Blick Art Supplies has a lot of them. Michaels has a lot of them. But if you do look up a coupon before you go, because there's usually 40 to 50% off every week that they have a digital coupon somewhere because you don't want to spend the full price on it because that's just ridiculous. But you have multiple like ways to, to, to get and store art besides the walls. I use both the sketchbook and the portfolios because I can give the sketchbook to somebody and then go get a sketch off somebody else on a piece of artboard doing getting two sketches at the same time, have my sketchbook. And I also can put it in the portfolios if that makes any sense at all. It does. Um, and I, I, I'll tell you as well that the, uh, Michaels and so forth of the world, you could easily look up those coupons online right while you're waiting in line on your mobile device. 
mm-hmm. and uh, don't sign up for their mailing list because you'll be inundated with those giant postcards oh, that you could do nothing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, just look up the code. They'll scan it right there. 40% off one item. So if you need to buy multiples of things, you might need to make multiple trips. Right. And I've seen up to 50, 60% off sometimes at special cases, but that's, that's my advice. And it, and it works for me. It, you know, it gives you, gives you options. And that's the best thing about like if when you're hunting art is having options, you can even put original pages in them. They have all different size portfolios too. So if you get us, if you have like little sketches, they only do little sketches. You can buy yourself a little portfolio and a bigger one for art pages and 11 by 17 drawings that people do. Mm-hmm. So that's my advice. Good advice. Now, one of the other questions that we had uh, in the mailbox, of course, was in regards to what we're going to be doing next uh, for TV Talk after Cloak and Dagger. I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't get a chance to watch this week's being on vacation. Uh, So I'm thinking we're going to talk about Cloak and Dagger, uh, the last two episodes on next week's episode. Uh, But Ron Sklodowski, another longtime contributor to the mailbag, was wondering if we were going to recap Outcast uh, on the podcast because there's a rumor that it's getting a second <laughs> season. Uh, season, but he two? thinks it might be a work brother. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, Outcast season two is a good choice for us to discuss uh, starting in two weeks after we wrap up everything with Cloak and Dagger. Uh, you know, the last two episodes here. I apologize for not getting a chance to watch it. There's only so much I can do in the hours of a day getting to decompress from being out of my house and in direct sunlight for an extended period of time. Yes. So I think that's everything. That's right. With no TV talk, I guess we're, we're done here. Right. So everyone, again, thanks for listening to episode 409 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll catch you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop!